Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So again, this is uh, Class 5, Dhammapada, the Balabhaga Sutta. On fools and foolishness. So you'll see throughout this, and actually throughout the whole Dhammapada, the Buddha is, is actually kind of going back and forth between skilled Dhamma practitioners and fools or Dhamma practitioners that haven't put the time or dedicated themselves to the practice. Um, so you can see that going all the way through. <clears throat> the night is long for the sleepless. The road long for the weary. Suffering and ignorance is long for fools ignoring the dumb. A true seeker should be resolute in their solitary path if an equal or wiser companion cannot be found. There can be no true fellowship with the foolish. True fellowship in the dumb. The fool worries, distracted. I have sons, I have wealth not knowing hardly. John's commentary here. The disciple's thoughts are framed by refined mindfulness of the Eightfold Path. The fool continues distracted thinking, clinging to self-reference. So this, this, I have sons, I have wealth, is sort of ignoring impermanence, kicking the can down the road, ignoring the fact that we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know when the cow's coming. Whether I'm a Dhamma practitioner who's well established or cool. The cow comes for each of us equally. The fool who thinks themselves wise is foolish indeed. The fool who knows their foolishness has the beginning of wisdom. Tim, this is what you had touched on earlier when we were talking, is that that's a very important gateway, especially in Dhamma practices, to, is to go, okay, uh, I don't know, but I'm willing to learn. You know, and as the Buddha had said, those with just a speck of dust in their eye, uh, my Dhamma is for them. So, just as a spoon cannot taste soup, the fool cannot gain wisdom through association with the wise. John's commentary. The heartwood cannot be developed by mere association. The Dhamma must be developed individually with the guidance and support of wise association. Three jewels. Dhamma, Sangha. Just as the tongue tastes the flavor of the soup, those discerning wisely quickly learn the heart with through wise associations. 
And so this is this is the whole thing of, of fools and foolishness is not discerning, not understanding on contact what is arising. Witless fools harm themselves and others. The fruits of their deeds are always bitter. The fool's unskillful acts are as a fruit that ripens in tears. The wise one's skillful acts are as a fruit that ripens in peace and happiness. Again, that fools and the wise. When foolish views rooted in ignorance, four noble truths are recognized and abandoned through the Eightfold Path. Craving and clean cease, and a calm and peaceful mind prevails. John's Buddha's words. The fool whose deeds have yet to ripen delights, yet when ripened, the fool always grieves. Wandering endlessly in ignorance, taking sustenance with a blade of grass, the fool never gains a speck of truth of the wise. So, so that's sort of, you know, always selling yourself short. Always losing the way. And it's also uh, it was a way of the sense extreme views. You said you made it you said something else there, Matt, that's important and it couldn't be easily glossed over. The fool always grieves. That's not it's not reference to a fool is always Sad. A fool always carries grievance. It's always the fool is always finding something wrong, and even with in the Buddha's time, they found things wrong with the Buddha. That's the fool. That's what he's referring to. You know, it's this, this, you're always having to make something your own, and if it's not, even with something as pure as the Buddha's Dhamma, you grieve over. You have a grievance. It should be this way. It should be that way. And look what has happened during the Buddha's time and for the the last twenty six hundred years that people have been working out that grievance in an infinite number of ways and then then there's a well-informed well-focused sangha that doesn't you know it doesn't file any grievance with the dhamma it just simply practices it it's an important point thank you john yeah that is that's really important in that you know we see that all the time don't we you know when we're with associations that complain about life or complain about situations or complain about yeah or even within the Dhamma complaining about the Dhamma you know? right right to, to, to accommodate a, a, a view yeah foolish acts ripen slowly like sour milk but cling to the fool like smoldering ash the fool gains knowledge that leads only to ruin by obscuring reality and their own innate potential. The fool seeks reputation and undeserved honor among monks, nuns, and householders. So that's, you know, completely missing the point. It's, it's not, it's not a, a show. practice rooted in the Eightfold Path and refined mindfulness of the Eightfold Path 
is not an advertisement. Through desire, greed, and continued eye-making, the fool thinks, let monks, nuns, and householders know what great works are done by me. Let them follow me as their savior. The fool seeks worldly gain. The wise seek heartwood. Through right view, the disciple abandons worldly entanglements and develops a release from all views, ignorant of one of the truths. So, I want to go around the room and ask you guys what how that lands on you and what you've pulled from that. There is some, there can be some benefit to seeing other people's foolishness, but only if that would reflect on your own foolishness. Otherwise, that point Ram I think I think the Buddha spent an awful lot of his dispensation describing just that and using fools as the examples that they are and it's not in a hurtful or or uh, a self-aggrandizing way it's just recognizing fools are fools and 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 it's a harsh word that you know we we, we might I I agree I was uh, pointing it out more as an, an internal uh, dialogue. Yes, but that that's reflective of whatever view uh, uh, that a person is holding. So the same calling someone a fool could just be an acknowledgement of reality, or it could be uh, an acknowledgement of your own ego. But that mm-hmm. that that rests in that initial right view. So what what's the right. you know? So it looks, and again, we we can get into the it, the the offenses in the eye of the beholder. You know, it, 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 but but it, the, the truth of that is that the offense is in the eye of the doer. And so when we get into other people's heads, 
about they shouldn't be doing that because we feel we shouldn't be doing that, we get caught in that that same feedback loop. So I'm just I, and I, I'm just making that fine point that it, it recognizing tools in the world is not necessarily uh, eye making. In fact, I would say it's a necessary part of the Dhamma. Right. Thank you. Thank you. just speaks to maintaining a well-focused Dhamma practice. That's that 
struggle, that daily struggle with the Dharma, that recognition that I have attachments and that I become foolish when I give them sustenance and meaning over my body or mind. And so this this uh, chapter is almost like a like a warning. And then lastly, one thing I thought was interesting, um, it's kind of hidden in the verse, like verse 71. An evil deed when done doesn't, like ready enough, come out right away. Like smoldering ash. And that's that, that's that dangerous, deep part of your mind where you think you're doing it right and not. You think you're being skillful, but you're not. And it just gathers those momentum and ash. So this chapter is like a almost like a, a reminder and a warning um,
external world, uh, what he has or what he doesn't have, but he doesn't have time for inside yeah and then you know that time and welfare both like we had mentioned earlier that just ignorance of impermanence not just this this particular chapter that's that's throughout the buddha's dhamma almost every sutta emphasizes that what you was and it's not just the people we associate with in fact more importantly it's what we associate with within our minds and that that line about about sons and wealth is is just that it's just i have sons i have wealth the things that we're attached to that way but it also is the legacy of our own minds what what have i what have i produced in my mind, that's my son, that's my offspring. It's also what I place the greatest wealth on, just because I think of it. And and that brings us to what the Buddha said consistently, vacha, to Vacha Goda comes to mind right now, is Vacha, it's your questions that are confusing you. Let go of the questions. And and that seems to be more like what we're talking about here. And I will say that, that uh, 
I, I think we're all getting a little bit too analytical with something that is simple and straightforward. We, we, don't, have to, we don't have to dive that deep and, and you know, pick it apart verse by verse. It stands on its own. So, uh, that's my take. I also, I like how you, you've tied in that theme again, which is really cool that, uh, you know, recognizing our own ignorance. So thank you for tying that in again. Julia. Chief of Oregon, there's a couple of lines that I really like, but um, the way it's defining school, to me, is like what people who are actually practicing maybe or understood the dog of birth already and not practicing as they should. Other people who don't know about the dog, they just think they're Said about how it, it, that's 
the legacy of our mind, of our thoughts, what we're what yeah, we're that's true too, yeah. Mm-hmm. What we're thinking, what we're holding in mind. Yeah, exactly. That's true. That's what I'm saying. It's not just uh, you know, individuals that are wise, you know, not wise associations, whatever we think. Yeah. Right, not right. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. All the things. The things that are occupying our Oh, thank you for the teaching. I enjoyed listening to all these comments. Um, I really like the metaphor about the spoon. It says, just as a spoon cannot taste soup, the fool cannot gain wisdom through association with the wise. And then another line, the Dhamma must be developed individually with the guidance and support of wise associations. Um, to me, this talks about the very personal commitment that, that I need to make to the Dhamma. I mean, it's, it's, you know, someone can, you can study it as a scholar or, you know, even have teachers teach you, but until you make it part of your life and, you know, you're all in, it's, it's not really your practice. And also just the importance of the support of the wise people like you and John and the rest of the Sangha, because it is something that, you know, at least for my journey, I have needed help. And I will continue to need help. So, like you said, the three jewels. So, thank you. Thank you, Jane. That was wonderful. John? Yeah, that, that really was. Jane Jane touched on something that um, not many of us see, and that, that is our responsibility to the Dhamma. Uh, as, as someone who's gained such great benefit from it, um, you know that's that's a that's a that's an aspect of fully developed right view is understanding our responsibility to this thing uh, that we have, and again it goes and it goes back to this, um, uh, you know, getting caught up in word salads about it, or just getting down to the practice of the Buddha's Dhamma. Um, the uh, even even the word, I, I I don't. <clears throat> During the restoration, I don't choose any of these words haphazardly, and I, I didn't. I didn't alight on fools and foolishness because I like the idea of beating up on people that that don't know the Dhamma. Uh, in fact, it, I I looked up uh, in a few different dictionaries just to make sure I had the the perfect word for what I wanted to say in relation to the Buddhist Dhamma, and no other word fit except fools and foolishness. And I proved it to myself over and over again every time something a sutta like this comes up or a chapter like this comes up because of the reaction that people have to a simple word like fools. When it's the perfect word, if I'm sitting here in a, in a, in a, uh, in a, a Buddha's Dhamma class and I'm insisting on chanting because I like how other people chant, I'm a fool. And if people, and if I'm sitting in that class and other people that know I'm being a fool but are afraid to say so because of some foolish notion of non-confrontation, then they are not taking responsibility for themselves in their own Dhamma practice either. That's a, that's a well-focused Sangha. Well-focused Sangha is not everybody holding hands and skipping along all the time. We support each other in the Dhamma, and Jane pointed out something I wish I did more of. We have a responsibility to that Dhamma. So that's my, my second talk tonight, or sec, second share tonight. Thank you. 
Thank you, John. Thank you all for a wonderful class. Uh, we're going to finish as we always do with Meta. These are the Buddha's words on Metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing, in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Peace. Matt, let me know when the, when the room... Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.